Exodus chapter 34. We should tonight be able to finish up Exodus 34. We'll start in verse 29 and we'll go to the end of the chapter, verse 35. Exodus chapter 34, starting in verse 29. Last week we talked about God giving the people some instructions as they were going to be heading toward the promised land. He was reminding them uh, not to not to get involved with the people who lived there because they worshipped other gods and he was concerned for them knowing that they would give in and begin to worship these other gods. He didn't want them to do that, so he said, look, don't, don't get involved with these people that you're going to see because they will, they will cause you to worship other gods beside me. And we didn't, we didn't read the, 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 the verses right before the ones we're looking at tonight because that was a repeat of Exodus chapter 23 that we talked about uh, a few months ago. Uh, but it talked about God reminding them about different festivals and things that they were to do in those festivals. And it's a pretty close, almost word for word, uh, re- repeating there of what happened in Exodus 23. So we're going to skip to the end of Exodus 34 tonight. Exodus 34, verse 29. We'll pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, I pray that you help me to Preach and teach your word in a way tonight that's going to be good for all of us. God, I pray that you take away all the worries and the thoughts of the world that are on my mind and that may be on the minds of others that are here, dear Lord. I pray that in this in this few minutes tonight that your word would speak to us, that we would find peace in your word and joy in your word and uh, comfort in your word and guidance in your word, instruction, dear Lord. It's all there. And I pray, God, that we would, we would get that from you tonight. And I pray that you just uh, bind the enemy, any, any thoughts or worries or concerns or struggles that we have that he attacks us with. I pray that you help us to overcome those attacks, dear Lord, by the power of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would just help us to, to be in your presence tonight and experience your glory if we haven't already, dear Lord. And if we have, I pray, God, that you help us to live in that glory as we look at your word tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this is an interesting passage and one that it's hard for us maybe to understand exactly what took place there, but whatever took place was pretty miraculous. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 29, as Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord. Now, Moses had had to go back up and get the Ten Commandments. Maybe uh, you remember that from a few weeks ago. He had come down, the, the people had made the golden calf, he, he threw the, the tablets down, they were smashed, he went up the mountain, God gave him some instruction again, God was angry, but God said, look, bring up some more stone tablets, I'm going to put the commands on them for you again, and that's what Moses had done. Now Moses is heading back down the mountain. Now we've seen Moses up and down the mountain a lot uh, in the last several chapters, dozen chapters or so that we've read. 
There's been a lot of up and down the mountain. And here Moses is coming down the mountain again, this time with the second set of stone tablets that God had uh, uh, told Moses to bring up so that the Ten Commandments uh, could be put on them. What he did not realize, it said, is that his face shone as a result of him being with the Lord. Now, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but there was something about Moses' face uh, that, that, that showed that he had been in the presence of the Lord. Now, there are different opinions as to what that could look like, but ultimately, I don't know that we can really know exactly what that looked like. But whatever it was that his face looked like, and whatever way that it shined or glowed, or whatever uh, difference there was to his face, it was no doubt a miraculous difference that took place there in verse 30. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. So whatever his face looked like, it was probably pretty scary for them. Now, whether it was simply glowing or whether there were some other distinguishing things that were going on uh, with his face as he come down the mountain, whatever was going on, the people were afraid to see Moses and his face the way it was. Verse 31, But Moses called out to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them to do everything the Lord told him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites what he had been commanded. And the Israelites would see that Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. So this idea of Moses having a radiant face that's shining before the people is something that's repeated here throughout this text. As Moses would speak to the Lord, when he would come back to the people, his face would be shining. Now Moses began to put a veil over his face so that the people would not see the glory that was fading away. Now it doesn't tell us that specifically here in these verses, but I think to best understand these verses in a way that's going to be helpful to us is to read uh, what Paul says about this very event in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you would, turn to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I believe that this is probably uh, the most beneficial text to help us understand exactly what was going on there, and, and even more so to help us understand uh, the meaning of this for us as we are uh, studying this very passage tonight. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Now, you're going to hear some, some phrases here that are the, uh, a ministry of death and ministry of condemnation. What those phrases are talking about is it's talking about the law. It's talking about those who are living under the law. Now, Moses had got the Ten Commandments as well as many other commands that God would give the Israelites. Uh, and those commands are what make up the law, what, what we call the law, uh, what the people in the New Testament would have tried to live by uh, before Jesus Christ came. They were trying to keep the letter of that law to do everything exactly as God had commanded them uh, in the Old Testament, even going so far as to adding a little bit to it sometimes. 
what they were doing was oftentimes following the letter of the law without ever really uh, recognizing the intent and the purpose of the law. And so they kind of missed what God wanted them to get through the law. And so when we read these phrases like ministry of death or ministry of condemnation, what Paul is saying here is he's talking about the law, and that's pretty clear in the context. As he begins to talk about God's glory in the account where Moses came from the mountain and also pointing us forward to a better glory that had come in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, Now if the ministry of death, chiseled in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory from his face, a fading glory, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious. Now, it's pretty clear what he's talking about here in the context. He talks about stone tablets with the commands chiseled into them. Those are, no doubt, the Ten Commandments. He's talking about this very event that we just read about in the book of Exodus. And he says, look, it came with glory. When, when Moses received the law and spoke with the Lord, there was God's glory that came with that. But it was not a lasting glory because Moses' face would eventually begin to fade away. He kept his face covered with the veil. It was a fading glory, Paul says. But if that was a fading glory and it was good, then how much more so will the ministry of the Spirit, will it not be more glorious? Now, when he talks about the ministry of the Spirit there, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In Romans, he says, for those who are in Christ, we are no longer under the law, but we are under the Spirit. So if the law could bring a little bit of glory, and it did for a little while, as we see in the book of Hebrews, it brings a little bit of glory because it kind of shows what God's desire is, but it's a glory that fades because we can never hold up the law. That's why the law is referred to here as the ministry of death, because the law only brings us death. We look at the law, we say, well, I broke that law, I broke that law, I broke that law, therefore the consequences of breaking the law was indeed death. That's why Paul refers to the law here as the ministry of death. If it had a little bit of glory that was fading away, how much more so is the glory that is through the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ? A glory that will never fade away, but a glory that will last forever and ever and ever. He goes on to say in verse 9, For if the ministry of condemnation, that is the law, had glory, the ministry of righteousness, that is Jesus Christ, overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. Paul says the law had once been glorious, but it's not glorious now because something even more glorious has surpassed it. That is Jesus Christ. The law was there for a little while, and the people could not fulfill the law. So Jesus Christ saves us by the Spirit. We are no longer under the law. We are under Jesus Christ, as the text would say. Paul's making that point here. Uh, there are many in the world today who are still trying to live under the law. But what they, don't, uh, what they fail to realize is that Jesus Christ has surpassed the law. The law, the glory that it had, has already faded away. It has been overshadowed uh, or, or outshined, I should say, by the glory that comes through Jesus Christ, a glory that will not fade away. 
Therefore, we don't want to try to uh, make ourselves right with God through uh, following a law that has faded away, but instead our right stature with God is through Jesus Christ who shines brighter and more glorious and who will never fade away. For, in verse 11, For if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. The law has faded away, or is fading away, but Jesus Christ is more glorious than that that is fading away. Now, is the law still here? Absolutely, the law is still here. But for those who are in Christ, we are not under the law. For those who are not in Christ, they will be judged by the law. And guess what? They will not be able to stand up when they are judged by the law because they fail. Now, we who are in Christ are not under the law because we are under the Spirit. We are under Jesus Christ. We are under something much more glorious. We are not made righteous because we are keeping the law. We are made righteous because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Therefore, the law doesn't really have much significance for the believer. In verse 12, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites could not share, stare at the end of what was fading away. Now Moses put the veil on his face so it would hide when the glory of the Lord faded away. Now the people would have been very excited, no doubt, even though they were afraid. They would have known that God's glory was with Moses as his face shone radiantly. So he covered his face with a veil so that they would not see that glory fading away. Now praise the Lord that his glory in us who are in Christ does not fade away. If we have accepted Christ and received the Holy Spirit, that glory is not fading away, but it is ever with us. It's not something that, oh, God loved me yesterday, but his love for me is fading away. Or God was with me yesterday, but, 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 but his presence with me is fading away. No, we don't say, well, God's presence has faded away from me. We say God's presence is within us through the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. We are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away, but their minds were closed. For to this day, the reading of the old covenant, that is the law, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Now, what, what Paul is saying there is there's still a veil over, over the people who these words were written to and over some still today. Uh, there is a veil over their heart, as he's going to say in, in just a little bit. So even when the old covenant is read, that is the law, when it's read, there still remains a veil that is not lifted. Why is the veil not lifted for some? Because they're trying to be justified by the law. And you can only be justified by Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. Now, we need to be careful about this same thing. There may be some of us, or we may encounter those, if it's not some of us, who are trying to be justified by the law. We are not justified by the law. We are justified by grace in Jesus Christ. Why are some not, not, not coming to Jesus Christ? Because the veil is still there in their hearts, as Paul's going to go on to say, because they are trying to live by the law but the only way they can be justified, the only way that the veil can be removed and set aside is through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Verse 15, Even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
freedom. So if we want to have the veil removed from our heart, if we want to realize we're not justified by our works, but rather justified by our faith in Jesus Christ, once we begin to seek Jesus Christ, the veil is removed from our hearts and we see, whoa, it all centers on and rests on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. But there are many in the world who are still uh, doing exactly what these that Paul was writing to were doing. That is, the veil is still there. They're still trying to live by the law. They're still not accepting Jesus Christ. There are some who try to do both. There are some Christians who try to live by the law and be justified by Jesus Christ, but we who are in Christ are living in grace. We are not under the law. We are freed from the law. We, are, we live under the Spirit, as Paul would tell us in Romans. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Once we accept Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes within us, we are free. We have something that's much better than the law that is within us, that's guiding us, that's drawing us to do uh, God's work. The law only required a little bit of the people. But being in the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ requires everything of the people. The law only required the people to keep the Sabbath. But I believe that being in the Spirit requires us to worship Jesus Christ the same every day because He is the King of King and Lord of Lord. We shouldn't limit our praise to the Lord to one day. It should be a seven-day thing. We shouldn't limit what we do for the Lord to a small percentage of what we can do but or what we, what we feel like we have to do, but what we can do. Therefore, the law only required a little bit of the people. But being free in Christ often uh, causes us to have the desire to do much more than the law would have ever called us to do, which is one reason why it's better for us as Christians who are under the Spirit and not under the law because that freedom is within us that, that drives us to do more than the law would have ever commanded in some cases. In verse 18, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we who are in Christ are being transformed from glory to glory. The old glory, that is the law, the ministry of death and the ministry of condemnation. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be under something that's referred to as a ministry of death and a ministry of condemnation. Instead, we are passing from that glory of those that is fading away, and we are going from glory to glory. We are going to the glory that comes through Jesus Christ. We are coming to a better glory, one that does not fade away. And Paul does a far better job of explaining this text in a way that's beneficial to us than I could have ever done, which is why we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So let us not be uh, like those who Paul is talking to when it talks about the glory that is fading away and the glory that is forever in Jesus Christ. Let us not be those who seek to be justified by our works. Let us not be those who seek to be uh, justified by what we say or what we do, but those who realize that our justification is in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. We, are glorif we receive glory by putting our faith and trust in Him. We are under grace. We are not under the law, and therefore we are freed in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and thank you for these words, and I pray that you help us to kind of soak them all in. That's a lot to soak in tonight, dear Lord, and a lot to think about, but help us to think about what these words of Paul are saying, dear Lord, to know that even though that glory that was upon Moses was, was fading, dear Lord, the glory that we have access to in Jesus Christ is never fading. 
And I pray, God, that if there's one in this room that does not know Jesus, that they would put their faith and trust in Him. God, maybe if there are some of us that do know Jesus, maybe we're, we're guilty of trying to live for the law and being justified by the law, dear Lord. I pray that we would just uh, turn to Jesus Christ and that we would live in the grace that we have through Him. God, that we can realize that's a glory that doesn't fade. And I pray that you just help us to not ever forget that. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.